Shapuji Sakletvala, a socialist and anti-imperialist rebel in Parliament, 1922-29, by Sasha Ishmael in uh, January 2021. Quotes, page 3, quotes by Sakletvala in 1928. British rule in India means a standing curb on Egypt, Iraq, Persia and Afghanistan. British rule in India means an overpowering militarism by the British that compels the rest of the world to weigh itself down under the cursed burden of armaments. British rule in India means the continual menace to the wages, to the work and the living standards of the British masses and an actual frustration of their trade union rights and socialist aims. British rule in India means a constant unseen war upon the rapid development of the masses in all the nations of Europe and America. Page 4, Chapter 1, Labour's First BAME MP In 1922, 65 years before Diane Abbott and three other Labour MPs of colour entered Parliament, Indian-born Shapoji Sakletvala was elected MP for Battersea North in south-west London. Like some other Labour candidates <clears throat> more recently, Saklatvala was a bourgeois figure standing in a working-class constituency where he did not live. In other respects, he was radically different. The first BAME Labour MP, to use today's Labour's terminology, was a revolutionary socialist who attacked Ramsay MacDonald for failing to oppose British colonialism and Gandhi for failing to support working-class and peasant struggles. Gandhi replied and they debated at length. He was the first person arrested during the 1926 general strike and imprisoned after a speech calling on soldiers to support the strikers. Future Indian Prime Minister Yawaharlal Nehru called him the most important Indian nationalist outside the country and he was banned from India for the last decade of his life because the British government feared his popularity there. From early 1921, shortly before he was elected in Battersea, Saklatvala was a member of the newly formed Communist Party of Great Britain. Then there were three general elections in two years. Sack, as his local supporters called him, page 5, won his seat in 1922, lost it narrowly in 1923 and regained it in 1924 as a communist candidate with local Labour support. With a growing Labour-Communist breach from 1925 and the CP's turn to ultra-left third-period policy, he finally lost it to a right-wing Labour candidate in 1929. Saklatvala was not parachuted into Battersea, but chosen by a strong local Labour movement which respected his record as an educator and activist in the class struggle and the internationalism he represented. He used his platform in Parliament to aggressively champion the interests and struggles of his working-class constituents and of the wider working class in Britain and globally. He was so active in anti-colonial struggles that he was both attacked and lauded as the member for India. This was not just a matter of speeches in Parliament, though he made extensive use of those. Saklatvala saw his role as a radical version of what Bernie Sanders called organiser-in-chief. He used his position to help organise the working class and left and to educate for socialism in Britain, in India and wherever he could reach. Background 
Sackler Bala was born in 1874 in Bombay, today's Mumbai, in a bourgeois Parsi family. The Parsis, a religious ethnic group, descended from Zoroastrians, who fled the Islamic take of Iran from the 7th century, were disproportionately wealthy and influential. At the turn of the 20th century, there were perhaps 100,000 out of 300 million Indians. Yet three of the first four Indian MPs in Britain were Parsis. The first, Debadhai Nairaji, was a radical left-wing liberal and pioneering Indian nationalist, one of the first presidents of the Indian National Congress, an important figure for the left to study too. The second, Manchaji Baunagri, was a pro-imperialist Tory. Sakhladwala's father was a merchant. His mother was the sister of Jamsetshi Tata, the owner of India's largest commercial and industrial empire. There are indications that his Parsi heritage helped shape the combination of a deep-rootedness in his background with universalism and internationalism, growing conflicts with Richer, more powerful and arrogant family members may have contributed growing beyond the strong Parsi tradition of upper-class philanthropy as an answer to the poverty and the suffering he saw around him. His youngest daughter and biographer, Seri, speculated that the seeds of revolutionary politics were planted in Sakhlaktvala's mind when he volunteered to help Ukrainian Jewish bacteriologist Voldemir Hefkin Combined, combats the plague which kills hundreds of Bombay's people every week for years at the turn of the century. Hafkane was a former populist socialist and political refugee from Tsarism. As Sakhletvala would later recount in Parliament, his first meeting with a doctor was at the city's European club. He found himself barred due to his race and was only let in at the back of the building. In his mid-twenties, he was central to prospecting work which led to the birth of the family's iron and steel empire. Despite his success, he caused a series of controversies by insisting on the rights of the workforce he managed. During one of his expeditions, he and his workers locked up the police officers who had tried to extort money from the workers. Sakhladvala seems to have been a kind and humanitarian, independent-minded and very bright young man. By the time he left India for Britain in 1905, he was decidedly hostile to British rule and sympathetic to the rights of working people. He was not yet a socialist. In Britain, he would quickly become one. In Britain... Frustrated with his relatives running the burgeoning Tatar Empire and plagued by serious ill health, for quite a while he worked on crutches. Sakhletvala came to Britain for treatment and recuperation. In 1906 he fell in love and began a relationship with a young working class woman, Sarah Marsh, who worked at the health spa he stayed in, he stayed at in Derbyshire. They would get married and have five children. Despite growing family commitments and holding down junior managerial jobs with the family firm and briefly with the electrical engineering company British Westinghouse, Sakhletvala became increasingly engaged with left-wing politics. This was not long after the great upsurge of British workers in the 1880s and 90s, the rise of socialism as an organised force and the emergence of what became the Labour Party. 
Less than a year after Saklat Al arrived, a long period of Tory rule ended with the coming to power of a leftist liberal government carrying out reforms under heavy pressure from the labour movement. In 1906, he still sympathised with the liberals, and but already conceived his frustration with their limits in terms of their attitude to the working class. He attended left and labour movement meetings in Derbyshire and quickly moved to clearer socialist ideas. A low opinion of leading liberals who claimed to sympathise with Indian national movements reinforced the shift. By 1907, after moving to London, he was involved in his local branch of the Marxist Social Democratic Federation. Page 7. He retained membership in the SDF and its successor British Socialist Party until it merged into the Communist Party of Great Britain in 1920. It was relatively common to be a member of more than one socialist organisation, and from 1909, Saklatwala was active mainly in the larger but politically woollier independent Labour Party, which he joined while living in Manchester. A great lover of political debates in school, he also attended various non-socialist forums and meetings at which he could hone his skills and arguments. A commitment to free debate and exchange and clash of ideas is something he would champion as a socialist politician. He had many pr- prominent left-wing figures, from Ramsey MacDonald to Keir Hardy to Sylvia Pankhurst. His first politi- political demonstration was one Pankhurst organised for women's suffrage in 1908. Foreshadowing a central strand in his later activity, in 1911 he was involved in an unsuccessful project to interest British unions in the formation of a general workers' union in India. He planned to return to India permanently, but after a visit with his family in 1912 to 1913, abandoned the idea. Before the First World War, Saklatwala joined a number of organisations and took part in a wide range of meetings and activities. He was already noticed and put under surveillance by Scotland Yard. However, it was the war and the Russian Revolution that turned him from a committed citizen of the movement to a zealous and virtually full-time agitator to overthrow capitalism. War and Revolution During the war, despite restrictions and repression, independent Labour Party membership tripled to 16,000, driven by the growing minority in society hostile to the war. Sakhlatvala was increasingly active in this milieu, making a major name for himself as a speaker. From the start, he strongly opposed the war. The themes, the central themes of his propaganda were the need for workers to replace capitalism with a radically different socialist system, and for socialism to be international as well as universalist in its values in order to succeed. His international and internationalist conception of socialism was strongly connected to anti-racism and anti-colonialism. Saklatvala was active in the ILP City of London branch, alongside a number of other well-known internationalist socialists, including John Walton Newbold, who became elected a communist MP in 1922. The city branch became known for outspokenness and activity in international solidarity, including support for anti-colonial movements. Page 8. It organised not just around the well-established left cause of India, but also African struggles, despite many in the labour movement seeing African peoples as less ready for or capable of, of freedom. 
1919, it held a major meeting on labour conditions in India, and which was attended by delegates from the Indian National Congress, and another in South Africa with activists from the predecessor of the African National Congress. Sacklet Vala was central to this work, also writing about India in the ALP's national press. From 1917, he toured extensively, speaking at ILP meetings in many parts of the country. His tirelessness is demonstrated by the fact that during the 1918 election, he travelled to Leicester every day after work to campaign for Ramsay MacDonald, whom at the time he admired. He was a delegate to national ILP conferences, explaining to the 1918 conference the motivation for his punishing schedule. He, quote, wanted to do one thing, and, and that was to spread socialism from one end of the world to the other, end quotes. His commitment was strengthened further by the Russian Revolution. The revolution's impact on Europe's labour movements was profound, and Sacklet-Vala was one of thousands of socialists in Britain who felt transformed and energised, particularly as he saw such strong parallels between Russia and India. In 1918, he was involved, along with Sylvia Pankhurst, in founding the People's Russian Information Bureau to support the Bolsheviks. At the same time, he was travelling in the Bolshevik direction. He also became active in the London Labour Party, to which both the Independent Labour Party and the British Socialist Party were affiliated. He was part of the minority of the ILP who favoured joining the Communist International, founded in 1919. When after two years of struggle this battle was decisively lost, a few hundred resigned from the ILP to join the CPGB, formed in 1920 by merger of the BSP and other smaller revolutionary parties. Saklet Vala stayed and fought a bit longer than most of the resigners. When he did finally leave, there was, typically at that time and a man, little animosity or personal hostility involved, but his political diagnosis was sharp and harsh. A resignation letter to the ILP paper Labour leader criticised, quotes, a spirit not at all creditable to socialism or communism. The new life on which ILP members are launching out, namely of seeking municipal and parliamentary advantages at the sacrifice of the spirit of true socialism. End quotes. Despite leaving the ILP, Saklet Vala maintains many of the connections he had made and through it. This is how, just as he joined the Communist Party, he was adopted as a Labour parliamentary candidate in Battersea. Page 10. <clears throat> Battersea versus the British Empire. Communists and Labour. In 1921, aged 47, after 16 years in the UK, Saklet Vala was selected as Labour's parliamentary candidate for Battersea North. He would become both Labour's first MP of colour and one of Britain's first avowedly revolutionary socialist MPs. Saklet Vala had become active in the London Labour Party in 1918 through the Independent Labour Party and the National Union of Clerks, both affiliated to Labour. He was a delegate to several London Labour conferences. In 1919, he successfully moved an amendment to commit the party to a programme of public building public housing. Labour was much livelier and more open then than now, but until 1918 did not even claim to be socialist. 
quotes, even before the war, the war noted the communist internationally in 1922, Labour had become quite distinctively a class organisation of the proletariats, which was dominated by that section of the middle class, whose profession it was to organise trade unions, entirely divorced from the socialist or revolutionary idea, end quotes. The 1917 Russian Revolution, upheavals in Europe and rising class struggle in Britain pushed Labour politics temporarily to the left. A powerful but loose social collectivism held sway over much of the British Labour movement and the Labour, Labour leadership adapted. In 1918, the party adopted a formerly socialist aim in its famous Clause 4 call for common ownership. In 1918, its 1918 documents, Labour and the New Socialist Order, page 11, called for the system of wage slavery and private ownership to be buried. Many of Labour's growing army of supporters took these things very seriously, but they never represented a serious commitment or intention on the part of most of the leaders. As they rode out the retreating post-war radicalisation, the leadership became increasingly disinclined to fight for radical reforms, let alone any kind of socialist revolution. Many Communist Party members saw Labour as too conservative to be worth getting involved with, but the CP's 1920 founding conference voted 100 to 85 to accept Lenin's advice to seek formal affiliation to the party. The British Socialist Party the largest of the organisations which merged to form the CP had been affiliated since 1916. The CP could simply have informed the Labour Party that the BSP had changed its name. Instead, concerned to raise a clear visible banner for communism, the CP leaders emphasised their party's separateness and applied for affiliation performatively. They wrote Labour's National Executive Committee a letter about the dictatorship of the proletariat and their right to control future communist MPs. Communist leader J.T. Murphy made a speech about taking Labour, quotes, by the hands the better to take them by the throat tomorrow, end quotes. The Labour leaders were able to get away with refusing affiliation and every Labour conference from 1912 to 1925 rejected affiliation by a large majority. At the 1923 conference, Sackler Arla, an MP for seven months, spoke in favour of affiliation as a delegate from the St Pancras Labour Party and Trades Council, but to no avail. Yet at that conference, 38 delegates were individually CP members. In many Labour parties and trade councils, communists were a significant factor. It made sense to many communists to be active in a large, relatively open party with a strong working-class activist base, particularly when many had been members of the BSB or LP, both affiliated before 1920. Communists became elected Labour representatives. In Poplar, two of the 30 council members jailed during the 1921 rate strike struggle, many Lansbury and Edgar Lansbury were CP members, as was A.A. A. Watts, who remained free. So was Joe Forgan, mayor of the neighbouring Bethnal Green. Several CPers became councillors in Battersea, and A.A. A. Watts became Battersea North's North representative on the London County Council. In the 1912 election, 
Five CP members stood as parliamentary candidates with one degree or another of local or national Labour backing. Joe Vaughan in Bethnal Green SW, Walter Windsor in Bethnal Green North East, Alec Geddes in Greenock, page 12, John Walton Newbolts in Motherwell and Sacklet Parlour. In addition to Sacklet Parlour, Newbolts was elected. Later, from about 1925, frustrated by the experience of Labour in Parliament and Government and the party's machine's determination to drive out his comrades, Sackler Vala would become an early advocate of the CP turning away from Labour. In 1921-22, he strongly supported a Labour orientation. The Battersea Labour Movement a range of Battersea activists and organisations had participated in the founding of the CP, but when Sackler Vala was elected for Battersea North in June 1921, the party as such was not strong in the borough. It had some active members with influence in the Labour movement, both unions and Labour Party, but its two branches had collapsed. In March 1921, the Communists advertised, quotes, wanted Communists to form branches in Lewisham, Lambeth and Battersea, quotes, a Battersea branch was re-established at the end of 1921. A couple of years later, there, were, there was also a very active Young Communist League. However, the broader Battersea labour movement had long contained strong elements of left-wing radicalism, internationalism and anti-imperialism. In 1892, when Keir Hardy was elected as independent Labour MP for West Ham South, Battersea was one of the two other constituencies to elect an independent Labour candidate, John Burns, a well-known socialist and leader in the 1889 London dock strike. In this period of new unionism, trade unions grew. Like chunks of East London, Battersea was increasingly a centre not only of overcrowding, poverty and poor working conditions, but of working-class solidarity and organisation. The main industrial employment for women was in factories and laundries, and for men in factories, in gas workers, and on the railways. Several local employers had strong links with Britain's colonies. In the 1890s, the Battersea Labour movements had a lib-lab, or more accurately lab-lib, character. Battersea Trades and Labour Council took control of the vestry, forerunner of the Borough Council, the same year it formed, 1894. However, as well as unions and socialist organisations, it included the Battersea Liberal and Radical Association. Many activists and some organisers were semi-liberal, semi-labour. The Trades and Labour Council's control of the council was, a, was via a progressive alliance, including both Labour and Liberal representatives, which continued with one break until 1915. After 1892, Burns quickly moved over to the Liberals, page 13. In 1905, he became the first working-class cabinet minister, but in a Liberal government. In 1906, Battersea Labour was expelled by the Labour Representation Committee for two blatant support for Liberal candidates, but it was consistently moving left. In 1926, it would be expelled from Labour for refusing to purge communists. The Progressive Administration carried out reforms which put today's Labour Council to shame, including London's first health visiting service, free school milk, a council house 
house-building program and extensive directly employed council labour for construction projects. Moreover, it developed a policy of mobilising the electorate in meetings, demonstrations and protests, helping to develop widespread political awareness and left-wing sentiment. Battersea was an early stronghold of the Marxist Social Democratic Federation, with many members in regular, large public meetings and demonstrations, plus a major infrastructure of social organisations and activities built up around the political core. By the war, several socialist groups were operating in the borough. At the start of the 20s, although the CP as such was fairly weak, a more diffuse revolutionary socialism was widespread among activists in the Labour and Trades Council, the Labour Party's local units. A major strand in all this was internationalism, and specifically anti-imperialism. Battersea was the centre of opposition to the Second Boer War, 1899-1902. Many organisations campaigned against the war, as did the council. George Lansbury addressed a demonstration of 5,000 in Battersea. John Burns opposed the war, but on a basis bound up with virulent anti-Semitism. In 1902, Battersea was the only council that refused to celebrate Edward VII's coronation, reported by one newspaper with the headline, Battersea versus the British Empire. It refused to fly the Union Jack on Empire Day or give a school give school children time off to celebrate. During the First World War, both the council and most of the labour movement settled on a stance of neither support nor active opposition, but they did defend anti war activists against repression. The council passed a resolution protesting the massacre of Russian workers during the nineteen oh five revolution. After 1917, it supported the campaign to block British military intervention in Bolshevik Russia. One element in all this was the fact that a large section of Battersea's working class and labour movement activist base was Irish. In 1912, a left-wing Liberal council and prominent Irish nationalist Thomas Brogan was elected mayor council leader. The Battersea North Labour candidate in 1918 when the Liberals held on to the seat, was Charlotte Despard, a pioneering socialist feminist of parts Irish descent, later a Republican activist in Ireland. Page 14. Choose, choosing a female candidate for the first general election in which women could stand was, of course, significant itself. In 1913, a council of Barbadian and Irish descent John Archer succeeded Brogan as mayor. A campaigner against colonialism, Archer had been an important figure in the 1900 Pan-African Congress conference. He would go on to be important in the post-World War I Pan-African Congresses and president of the African Progress Union. In his victory speech, he told the council, quotes, You have made history tonight. A man of colour has been elected as mayor of an English borough that will go forward to the coloured nations of the world and they will look to Battersea. By the time of the post-First World War political radicalisation, anti-imperialist politics were well entrenched in Battersea with wide support for the Irish War of Independence and the Bolshevik struggle against foreign intervention and anti-imperialism more generally. 
anti-racism and internationalism were, of course, far from universal in the working class and slave movements. The post-war period saw an upsurge of racism as well as nationalism and pro-imperialism. There were major outbreaks of organised violence against ethnic minorities in several cities in 1919. This bigotry was accepted and sometimes, in 1919 in particular, driven by sections of the labour movements. Battersea labour movement was an important part of resistance to this and of an organised drive in the opposite direction. Saklet Vala in Battersea <coughs> There would have been no shortage of working class figures based in Battersea or elsewhere who could have stood for Battersea North. Most Labour MPs at this time came from working class backgrounds, some straight or almost straight from working in industry. However, given the Battersea Labour movement's politics and traditions, Saklet Vala was in many respects a natural fit despite his bourgeois background. Though he lived and was active in the North London borough of St Pancras, in what is now Camden. He was well known in Battersea. In 1920, he had spoken at meetings of a local labour movement campaign against unemployment. In 1921, he addressed a huge meeting at Battersea Town Hall in support of the locked-out miners. On news of his selection, South Wales Miners sent a resolution congratulating the Battersea labour movement on its choice. In addition, he was friendly or connected with many labour movement and left activists in the area through years of activity in the ILP and other organisations. Page 15. Several people he worked with in Indian solidarity campaigning lived in Battersea, including the treasurer of the Labour and Trades Council. Charlotte Despard was an ally of Satklep Vala, despite herself being considered to stand for better see north again in the election she worked to mobilize irish votes voters for him the consensus is that john archer was the prime mover in the campaign to select sacletvala archer also helped broker national labor support for his candidacy in 1922 and 1923 and de facto support in 1924 when he was elected as a communist he was the election agent all three times Later, as Labour drove out the CP, the two fell out, and Archer ran the 1929 Labour campaign which ejected Sakletvala from Parliament. Sakletvala's 1922 election address discussed possible prejudice against him as an Indian, calling Labour Party the Labour of International Brotherhood. But that seems to have been a relatively minor factor in the campaign. Anti-communism was more important. The capitalist parties and the press attempted to drive a wedge between the communists and the broad, broad labour movement at that stage without success. Sakletvala had been selected by a large majority and Spatsi labour was un- enthusiastically united around him. CPs were central in his campaign but emphasised unity with the broader movements. The CP's 1922 manifesto was titled a united front against the capitalist enemy. Sekhlet Vala's leaflet used the headline Labour's United Front about statements from a spectrum of labour movements and Indian figures. Sekhlet Vala's campaign emphasised left-wing elements in Labour's programme, nationalisation, a wealth tax, public housing and welfare, freedom for India, Ireland and Egypt. 
He demands that equal suffrage and a program of measures to guarantee equal opportunity for women. In the 1923 election, he would explain this rather moderate approach. He supported Labour's manifesto, quote, with the only criticism that this is that this is the least that one can demand under the present conditions of life all over the world, end quote. In 1918, the Liberal candidates won Battersea North with 66.6%. In 1922, there were two rival Liberal candidates, but bourgeois forces united around the National Liberal Henry Hobkin, who was in who in 1923 would win the seat back from Sackett Father for one year. The Tories mobilised in Hogbin's support. Although the Tories won the general election, Labour's vote share rose from 20.8% to 29.7%. The Battersea North's militant mass campaign elected Sackett-Vala with 50.5%. That night, thousands thronged the streets of Battersea to celebrate the election of their first independent Labour MP for 30 years. Page 18. A Tribune of the Working Class In rapidly shifting post-war conditions, as Labour displaced Liberals as Britain's second party, there were three general elections in 23 months in 1922 to 1924. Chosen as a standard barrier for Battersea's strong and radical Labour movement, Saklet Vala was elected Labour MP for Battersea North in 1922, narrowly lost the seat to his right-wing Liberal opponent in 1923, and after the Labour Party banned C. Piers from standing as Labour candidates, narrowly won it back in 1924 as a Communist candidate with local Labour support. He sat as the constituency's MP until 1929. Sackleck was not the first MP with membership in the then-Revolutionary Communist Party of Great Britain. Particularly, that was Cecil Malone, an Air Force colonel, colonial and OBE, elected in 1918 from the wing of the Liberals, then in coalition with the Tories, on a militantly anti-socialist platform. He visited Russia, was won over by the Bolsheviks, and on his return helped found the CP. In 1922, John Walton Newbolt became Communist MP for Motherwell with local Labour backing. Malone and Newbolt quickly lost their seats and left the CP soon after. Sackleit Vala remained extremely active as a CP member, a communist, a communist by his own lights, until his death in 1936. What kind of MP was he? Page 19. <coughs> Report back, not... MP Surgery. Quotes, During my strenuous work in the Labour movement, finished Sacklet Vala's 1922 election leaflet, I have always remembered one thing, that I have to fight for and to work for the working class, as through them alone I see a chance of a truly humane world. End quotes. He would use his position to help workers organise, champion their struggles, and fight to end the capitalist system exploiting them. For Sakhladvala, the working class he represented was not just that of his constituency or the UK, but of the world, and in particular the British Empire. He consistently attempted to link the material interests and struggles of British and Indian workers. 
after the First World War, the distinctive labour movements built in Batsi from the 1870s experienced a radical flowering, led not just by remarkable politicians like Sir Fala, but a large number of grassroots working-class organisers, many of them elected to office. This working-class and labour movement and Sakhletvala's relationship to them were vividly described by communist and Trotskyist veteran Harry Wicks, who in 1922 worked in Battersea's important railway industry. Quotes, In the 20s, to the consternation of the liberal-minded labour leadership, British Battersea North elected as their Member of Parliament the Indian Sakhletvala, not only was he an Indian but a communist, and he was sponsored by the United Battersea Labour Movement. The link that Saklek Vala established with his worker constituents was not that of the proverbial, can I help you, have you any problems? At the time, the entire working class had a problem, that of survival against the employer's lockouts, widespread unemployment, and the down, downward slide of the sliding scale of wages, wages agreements. Saklet Vala spoke at factory gate meetings and introduced the monthly report back from Westminster. There were great meetings long before the doors of the town hall opened, queues formed just like they used to at Stamford Bridge. The platform was always crowded. Sack, as he was affectionately known, was flanked by the entire executive of the Trades and Labour Council and numerous representatives of Indian and colonial organisations. He was a magnificent orator. Those monthly report pack meetings in the doings of Parliament stirred hundreds into activity. The Battersea Labour movements pulsated with life and was united. Marxist classes held by the old Plebs League flourished. Trade union, trade union branches were crowded. End quotes. Page 20. Holding monthly report pack meetings for his Labour electors had been an election pledge. Seklet Vala and the Labour and Trades Council organised regular canvassing, not primarily for electoral post purposes, but to discover the concerns of and engage in dialogue with the constituency's wider working class. Seklet Vala was by all accounts a compelling speaker, with a powerful ability to hold, convince, rouse up and inspire his listeners. Wicks argued that his speeches were often also highly educational, providing Lessons in Economic Geography and Imperialism Taking only a worker's wage was not really an issue then. Payments for MPs had only been introduced in 1911 in response to the rise of labour. Although the salary was high, it remained the same until 1937. Between 1996 and 2020, it increased 238%. Moreover, until 1921, MPs had to pay all their own expenses. Saklet Vala, frequently travelling around the country to speak and support struggles, would have had a lot of expenses. He continued to do a minor job in the Teta Corporation until 1925. In Parliament. Saklet Vala energetically used the platform of Parliament itself to raise a wide range of issues in the class struggle, local, national and international. In his maiden speech, 23rd of November 1922, he discussed growing UK unemployment, the state of post-war Europe, the anti-democratic nature of the empire, the shared interests of the textile workers in Scotland and Bengal, 
the Irish Treaty establishing limited independence and the Russian Revolution. The next month, responding to a loan for economic development in Sudan, he spoke about British imperialism, the interests of working people in Britain and Sudan, and the problems of private enterprise. The last was a consistent theme in many of his speeches, widely noted. In his first year in Parliament, when the CP was still embedded in the Labour Party and the Battersea Labour Movement united around him, he regularly raised local issues, often in consultation with the Borough Council. He repeatedly raised housing, for instance, the Council's conflicts with private landlords refusing to pay for repairs. He intervened against attempts by Patsy South Story MP Viscount Curzon to hinder the council from intervening in local energy provision, again using the chance to indict private ownership. Later, as the CP was pushed out of Labour, Sackletvala's relationship with the council soared and he became less inclined to raise local issues. India became more and more central to his interventions. Page 21 he used Parliament to champion working-class and liberation struggles. In 1923, he played a major role in the fight against deportation without trial of Irish Republican activists in Britain. In 1925-26, to during the <clears throat> minor struggle that sparked the general strike, the CP collected 300,000 signatures to protest the arrest of many working-class activists, including 12 of its leaders. Sakhletvala got widely wide publicity by presenting the petition to Parliament and raising the issues in the Chamber. He regularly raised strikes and workers' issues. Attempting to coordinate, coordinate parliamentary and ex-parliamentary struggles, he was in continual consultation with working-class organisations and activists. Sakhletvala loved parliamentary-style debate and his general courtesy and politeness were widely acknowledged. This form should not obscure the content of his speeches and activities. In his major speech, maiden speech, he warned, quotes, I would therefore appeal to you, you sir, the speaker, to realise that if we are found especially wanting in certain mannerisms or our phraseology is not up to the standard, it is not for want of respect but simply because we of the people shall now require that the people's matters shall be talked in the people's voice. Although, unlike most Labour MPs, his social background was similar to that of Tory and Liberal parliamentarianisms, and although he continued to work well with people and make friends easily, Sakletvala did not in general fit in. Both his national and ethnic origins and his politics were part of the picture. He regularly used his speeches to mock ruling class and increasingly right-wing labour figures and institutions, indulging his impish sense of humour. This was part of indicting the system of which they were part of to help mobilise workers against it. He consistently brought class conflict and the wider question of capitalism and socialism to the fore, speaking at length in Parliament about the nature of socialism and how workers could win it, in the knowledge that his speeches would be reproduced outside. In general, his work was in line with the approach set out by the CP in 1924. A socialist MP, quotes, enters Parliament not in order to delete, to, to delude the workers that they can achieve their emancipation by its means, but to use Parliament as a tribune whence 
to issue rallying calls and watchwords to the masses, end quotes. There is no MP doing quite the same today. <coughs> a communist MP. Even before his re-election as a communist candidate in 1924, in the teeth of the anti-Bolshevik Red Scare which dominated the year's general election, the CP regarded Sekletvala as a communist MP. From the very start, he was from the start he was very open about his political ideas and affiliation. Page twenty-two. In 1922-23, although Sekletvala was accepted into the Parliamentary Labour Party and John Walton Newbolt was not, they cooperated closely as what the CP called its communist fraction in Parliament. After 1924, Sekletvala's struggle must often have been a lonely one, particularly as Labour leadership and the bulk of the PLP were moving further to the right. But as the CP put it when he was first elected, quotes, even one good fighter can be enough to expose the workings of the system and show the intrigues of the government, end quotes, if backed and pressured by workers and not left isolated in the struggle in the enemy camp. As a result of having MPs, the prestige of the CP in the labour movement and in the Communist International was increased, along with interest in its ideas. Sacklackwald and Newbolt received numerous invitations to speak from a wide range of organisations not run by their party. Their parliamentary speeches were often reported in the press, given, giving heightened opportunities for wide propaganda. CP publications regularly carried extracts from Sakhladvala's speeches and the party published three pamphlets in his speeches, The Class Struggle in Parliament, with the Communist Party in Parliament and Socialism and Labourism, selling tens of thousands of copies. From 1925, Sakhladvala was on the CP Central Committee. The party was not afraid to criticise him when it felt he went politically astray. When the Liberal House of Commons Speaker retired in 1928, Sakhladvala made a glowing speech about him, and there was widespread criticism in the party, including calls for his expulsion. The CP leadership formally resolved to exercise greater control over the MP. Soon after this controversy subsided, he was criticised by the German Communist Party for a speech at a meeting in Berlin, and the CP discussed disciplining, disciplining him again. In 1927, <coughs> when Sakhladvala had his five children initiated into Parsism at a large public ceremony in Westminster, the CP published a statement saying that while religious workers could join the party, a leader like Sakhladvala should know better. He replied pub publicly that he agreed, but that it was unavoidable for family reasons. Sakhladvala <coughs> had a strong, very strong personality and will of his own, but at the same time remained strongly committed to revolutionary socialism and to the CP. He resisted serious pressure to break from the party. According to his friend and secretary as an MP, the communist Reg Bishop, this initially took the form of offers of a safe labour seat, page 23, and even a ministry ministerial career if he would abandon the CP. After repeated refu refusals, Sekretvala instead suffered denunciation and vilification, a ban on visiting the US, in what became a fairly major international controversy 
arrests and eventually a ban on travelling to India for the last decade of his life. The general strike. Saklatwala worked hard to support the 1926 general strike, suffering imprisonment and persecution as a result. The first Labour government in 1924 had done nothing to dismantle the system of organised strike-breaking the state had gradually built up to prepare for industrial unrest. Saklatwala repeatedly raised the question of strike-breaking organisations in Parliament. On the 3rd of May, the day before the strike started, the Manchester Guardian reported the unusually large May Day demonstration in London. Quotes, Saklatwala seems to be the hero of the day. He was followed to his platform by a swirling wake of enthusiasts, and his meeting was much the biggest. He is, one imagines, the most powerful mob orator of the day. He harangued for a good half hour with a sort of sombre joy. He acclaimed the general strike as a definition, definite rising of labour against their oppressors to a chorus of good old Sakletvala. Sakletvala's speech called on soldiers to support the strike. He was that was end quotes. Sakletvala's speech called on soldiers to support the strike. He was quickly charged with sedition, convicted and imprisoned in Wormwood Scrubs. Home Secretary William Johnson Hicks had said in Parliament that his hands itched to have Sakletvala arrested a week before the speech. Page 26. <coughs> the MP for India. Quotes from Sakletvala in the UK Parliament, 1925. I pay homage to the Quotes, I pay homage to the British spirit of hypocritical statesmanship. We are debating here as if the viciously repressive Bengal ordinances were never promulgated, as if the shooting of Bombay operatives during the cotton strike had never taken place, as if a great strike of thousands of railway workers is not even now going on in their Punjab, men starving, as if a great controversy is not raging, not only with the people of India, but with the people all over the world, where the British imperialism, whatever its past history, is at all permissible to exist now. Is there a single British man or woman today who would tolerate for one day a power so despotic and arbitrary as the crown under the imperial system is insisting upon enjoying in India? End quotes. Struggle against the colonial imperialisms which dominated during Shepherdjuri's Saklavata's lifetime, and in particular against the British Empire and its rule in India, was at the heart of his work, including as an MP. Not for nothing was the member of Battersea North described as the member for India. Saklavala was the only MP who came from one of the empire's coloured subject peoples. He made his name in the British Labour Movement as a militant advocate of anti-imperialism and he was elected in Battersea in large part because of that, page 27. Becoming popular among many working people in the UK and India and elsewhere, he used his unique position to try to pull the two working class brotherhoods together. British Socialism and Anti-Imperialism Some leading members of Setlevala's family were moderate nationalists with links to the British liberal hierarchy. Others were more conservative and straightforwardly supported the empire. When he came to Britain, they bought him membership in the National Liberal Club. 
According to Secretary Reg Bishop, a furious argument there with the Liberal Secretary of State for India, John Morley, was instrumental in him leaving the Liberal Mausoleum and joining the socialist movement. Morley was a long-standing critic of imperialism, nonetheless overseeing extensive repression, as well as measures dividing Indians into Hindu and Muslim communal camps. It was mainly as a result of his anti-colonialism that Saklavatala was already subject to state surveillance before the First World War, this later intensified. In 1911, he worked with a group of British and Indian trade unionists seeking links to support workers' struggles in India. He wrote to leaders in the Labour Party and the TUC. The responses were disappointing and disillusioning. The project fizzled out, but prefigured the later Workers' Welfare League of India campaign, seeking to build links between the workers of the two countries, in which Saklavatla Vala was an organiser. The rising British labour movement was in a vague way hostile to imperialism. The first Labour Representation Committee manifesto in 1900 had called for legislative independence for all parts of the empire. As the response to Saklatvala's 1911 appeal showed, this did not represent a committed or active priority, even when posed in simple trade union terms. Some more radical socialists were sharper and more committed, but far from all. After joining the Independent Labour Party in 1909, Saklatvala spoke at many meetings about India and anti-colonial struggles. His ILP branch, City of London, became known as a champion of colonial liberation movements, including in Africa. At his first ILP conference in 1918, Saklatvala appealed to the delegates to be more definite in their internationalism, and successfully moved a motion for Indian independence and links with the Indian National Congress. The Russian Revolution had a big impact. In a letter to Arthur Fields, Workers' Welfare League of India activist and anti-imperialist collaborator in the ILP and then the CLP, page 28, um, the, he described the milieu of Labour activists who supported World War as rotten. The revolution inspired and re-energised him, as did many thousands of socialists in Britain. Saklatvala was impressed by the Bolsheviks' more than verbal commitment to socialism and internationalism, strongly in line with his view expressed in the ILP's Labour leader the, that internationalism was not a secondary and remote stage of evolutionary development, but a primary and unneglectable factor in socialism's success. He was struck by the parallels between Russia and India. From then on, he would refer to this repeatedly, contrasting the Russian revolutionaries' emancipation and uplift of Asiatic peasants with the repressive policies of the British Empire. Better see. <clears throat> Internationalist activism was a key part of how Saklatvala first made links with the labour movement in Battersea. In addition to Arthur Field, local labour treasurer and London Trades Council secretary Duncan Carmichael were, was also active in the Workers' Welfare League of India. Battersea's well-established anti-imperialist traditions are described above. Its mayor, John Archer, the first black mayor in London, became a friend and ally of Saklatvala's, championed his selection in Battersea 
North and ran his three successful election campaigns. In August 1921, shortly after the selection, Archer arranged for Sackler Bala to, to speak in a session on colonial liber liberation at the Pan-African Congress organised in Britain by W.E.B. Du Bois and introduced him there. Saklatvala's election literature referred extensively to his background and his anti-imperialism. The main leaflets for his first election, 1922, included statements that K.S. Bhatt of the Workers' Welfare League of India, Unity of Interest Between Labour in India and Labour in Britain, from Duncan Carmichael, quotes, Your election would be a message of hope and encouragement to the awakening masses of our fellow workers in the East, end quotes, and from the founding conference of the All India Trade Union Congress in 1920. Even Labour leader J.R. Kleins managed an inspired statement about Saklatvala working to improve the economic conditions of our fellow subjects in India. Saklatvala raised funds not only from the Batsi Labour movement but supporters in India. Shortly after his selection, he attended a meeting of Indians in London, pledging to represent their interests in Parliament too. Page 29. Racism was certainly wielded against Saklatvala, but fairly infrequently in a blatant open form or as political weapon. When it was used, it caused uproar amongst, among his almost entirely white local supporters. The core line of attack against Saklatvala was anti-communism, which stressed his opposition to Britain's constitution, very much including the empire. His foreignness was thus much, was more or less directly invoked. As an MP, Saklatvala supported struggles by ethnic minority workers in Britain, including against discrimination, and he fought to end the colour bars in restaurants and dance halls, where he learnt, which he, he learnt were operating in several cities, but there is no doubt he saw anti-imperialism as his focus. Labour and Empire the Labour Party for which Saklatvala became an MP in 1922 was moving to the right on imperialism as it prepared to administer the, the British state. Labour spokespeople and activists, even on the left, had tended to positively advocate self-government only for India, Egypt and Ireland, with a view or implication that Britain's African colonies, among others, were not ready for it. There was widespread anti-black racism in the labour movement reflected in post-war agitation around black troops from France's colonies in the occupied Rhineland. Such material was sometimes reproduced by the left-wing socialist Ta Daily Herald and very occasionally by the Communist Party. The main spectrum of British left opinion on India during the war was distinctly reformist, with dominion status inside the empire presented as the most radical option. Labour leaders encouraged the Indian national movement to work within the very limited system of representation conceded by the 1919 Government of India Act, despite continuing repression. The same year as the as the act, British forces massacred hundreds of civilian protesters in Amritsar. The story was broken in Britain by the Herald. Saklatvala embodied and contributed to the rise of a radically different viewpoint. 
advocating universal decolonization, including complete independence for India and mass mobilization to win it. Of course, he would write later in the 1926 pamphlet, Socialism means the destruction of the British Empire. At the same time, he was an active campaigner for reforms short of socialist India and even short of independence. Although he sometimes consulted, was consulted by the Labour leadership on colonial issues, even his more limited proposals would be ignored. The 1922 Labour Manifesto committed to the independence of Egypt and self-government for India, page 30. It combines support for, quotes, efforts towards a united island with effective immediate support for the British-imposed peace treaty of 1921, which blocked a fully independent Irish Republic and partitioned the islands, end quotes. Its manifesto in 1923, when it won office for the first time, said nothing about the colonies. This was no accident. The Labour government under Ramsay MacDonald not only preserved the British Empire, but failed to make even minimal changes in its administration. It continued and even stepped up the repression against India's growing nationalist and workers' movements. The claim to be committed to non-violence commented... Leon Trotsky in Where is Britain Going, 1925, quotes, In no way prevents MacDonald from strutting around India and Egypt in the sacred footsteps of the great Christian Curzon, former Viceroy of India and Tory Foreign Minister. MacDonald, as a Christian, recalls from violence with horror. As Prime Minister, he applies all the methods of capitalist oppression and hands over the instruments of force to his conservative successor intact. End quotes. Because Sakhlatwala lost his seats for a year in 1923, he was out of Parliament during the first Labour government. Nonetheless, MacDonald and Co.'s failure to implement even reforms in the Empire was at the heart of his increasing alienation from the Labour Party. In 1924, he returned to Parliament as a communist, but with the push to force CPOs out of Labour, he was no longer even formally consulted by the Labour leaders. In 1922-23, when Sakhlet Vala was a Labour MP and concerned not to unnecessarily antagonise the leadership, he was nonetheless vocal in Parliament about imperialism. He stressed that he was no narrow nationalist. He intervened not just on India, but also China and African countries. He was extremely active against the 1921 Irish Treaty, the partition of Ireland, and repression of Irish Republican activists and supporters in Britain, and he visited and spoke in Ireland several times. In 1924, his anti-imperialism became even more outspoken. Indian and British workers Many of the immediate reforms Sakhlatwala demanded for India were focused on workers' rights. From 1918, he was central to the Workers' Welfare League of India, founded by British and India labor, Indian labour activists the year before. In 1918, when the Montague Chelmsford report on the government of India was published, the League pointed out its indifference to appalling labour conditions there. Page 31. It submitted proposals including the right to vote for all Indians, a massive education programme, a government-led drive to push up wages and radical changes to labour law. 
It lobbied unsuccessfully for trade unionists to be included on the committees pre- preparing what would become the Governments of India Bill. Running through the Workers' Welfare League of India campaign was the idea that the rights and living standards workers in India should be lifted to match those of workers in Britain through a common struggle. This would become a very important theme for Sekletvala. Until 1927, the WWLI was officially recognised as the British voice of the All India Trade Union Congress. Addressing the Scottish Trade Union Congress in 1923, Sekletvala sought to link the struggles of Jutes workers in the competing factories of Bengal and Scotland. He argued that, quotes, Unless there was a uniform standard of wages in the jute industries of Bengal, Bengal and Dundee, the black worker terrorised in Bengal would deprive the Scottish worker and his children of the necessities of life. There must be unions of human beings in the trade without geographical boundaries. Delegates should understand that international trade unionism was not the ultimate development, but the first essential. End quotes. He spoke at workers' meetings in Dundee, calling for trade unionism without race or colour consideration. The Labour MP for Dundee, Edmund Morrill, demonstrated how far behind Sakletvala the bulk of the Labour movement stood by denouncing his proposals as communist propaganda. Morrill had been central to the racist campaign about black French troops in Germany. In 1925, the parliamentary speech quoted at the start of this section, Sakletvala developed the idea about international workers' standards. Quotes, You had your struggles and we have ours. You are talking in contradictory terms. If you decide to go to India and revolutionise the lives of the Eastern people through industrialization, you do not talk of castes. You do not talk of Hindus, Mohammedan ideas or of the depressed classes. When it is your intention to start cotton factories, jute factories, steelworks, engineering works, post offices, railways ways and telegraphs, you do not say, we cannot do it because India is cut up by caste or because of Hindu and Mohammedan hatreds or because there are depressed classes. With just the same ease with which you start these machines for grinding human life and freedom here, you start factories, mines, railroads and dockyards there. Nothing stands in your way then, end quotes. British capitalists used every excuse to justify not improving wages and conditions in India, page 32, just as even without colonialism, multinationals do in low-wage countries today. So Saklavatla stressed that for British workers, supporting workers in India was a matter of solidarity and self-interest. If Indian workers were not pulled up to the British level, the development of industry in India would begin to tell its tale on the rights of workers in Britain too. Thus, even as Indian and British capitalists manoeuvred against each other, quotes, the mill workers in India and the mill workers of Lancashire will both gain an advantage by standing together, fighting together, working for a common standard of life, demanding the same standard of wages and the same form of franchise, liberty and freedom, in quotes, speech in Parliament 1927. 
The WWLI gained significant support in the British labour movements, including not only, for a while, links with the TUC, but a range of active affiliations, including the Iron and Steel Trades Confederation and dozens of trades councils and union branches. It brought working-class activists in Britain news of a post-war wave of workers' struggles in India. As he developed widespread connections on the British left, Seklat Vala also made links with Indian worker activists and nationalists linked to Indian worker struggles. Many now became leaders in India's accelerated labour movements. His friend Dewan Shaman Lal was the first General Secretary of the All India Trade Union Congress. Seklat Vala was attacked in the House of Commons <coughs> for alleged hypocrisy, given that his family were large employers in India. He replied, quotes, The Parsi capitalist class is just as abominable and as much to be avoided as the class to which the honourable members and his friends belong in this country. End quotes. Page 34. Saklat and the Indian Workers. Quotes, Mr. Saklatwala has great influence in India. Irrespective of his communist views, the Indian people are proud of him. They, a subject race, are naturally proud of the courage with which Saklatwala, one of themselves, denounces the British domination of India in unmeasured terms in the very House of Commons itself. He is a rebel by proxy for them all. When he speaks to them, therefore, they listen, and he speaks to them frequently. End quotes from India's Lost Faith in Labour, Socialist Review, 1928. Now let us look at Saklatwala's relationship to the struggle in India itself. His starting point was opposition to British rule. In 1927, when Parliament discussed the creation of an old British commission on the future of India, he protested in the Commons, denouncing the whole idea of people being ruled by another country. Quotes, <coughs> May I ask the House... Just to review the historical position from 1910 to 1914, there was the Kaiser in Europe. He also felt the same thing as the Tories argued about India, that there was such a welter and chaos that one strong man was required to rule the whole of Europe. He failed. You succeeded. That is the only difference. But the claim of the Kaiser and the British Kaisers is equally preposterous from the ethical standpoint and the point of view of national rights. End quotes. <coughs> Page 35. His speech repeatedly <coughs> assailed the idea that British rule was somehow intended to bolster the rights of minorities or any working people in India. Quotes, Who are the majority of the Indian people? Never mind the Hindus and Mohammedans, because religious differences exist in all nations of the world. The majority of the people of India are peasants and agriculturalists. The majority of the people in the large cities are industrial workers. What rights have you given to them? What is the purpose of this country's rule in India? To keep talking of minorities and to trample on the rights and progress of the majority. End quotes. <coughs> Quotes, it is not your fault, Eded Sakletvala. The Romans <coughs> did the same thing once when they were ruling your country. My ancestors, <coughs> the Persians, did the same thing when they were ruling the Jews, the Assyrians and the Turks. End quotes. In 1923, during his first year in Parliament, 
He had intervened in a debate about the role of Britain's Viceroy by denouncing the rights of this country to send a Viceroy at all. Although he perhaps shifted towards a more aggressively anti-colonial stance during the 1920s, he held the same basic positions for decades. India's Rising Tide Saklatvala's rise to prominence coincided with the rising tide of India's national liberation movement, not coincidentally since the Russian Revolution and its ripples set the context for many rising anti-colonial struggles, as well as the working class upsurge in Europe. Also important was the upheaval of the war in which Allied leaders proclaimed a principle of self-determination but did not apply it to colonies of the victorious powers. So was British repression. In 1919, the government suspended the rights of defendants in sedition trials, and the army killed hundreds in the Jalinwala Bar massacre in Amritsar. This in the middle of the Spanish flu pandemic, in which perhaps 18 million Indians died. In 1919, the Indian National Congress moved away from cooperation with the British authorities and launched a more militant struggle for complete independence. India also saw a growth of specifically working-class and socialist struggles. As the 1931 Royal Commission on Labour in India expressed it from the early 20s, there was a, 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 a realisation of the potentialities of the strike, and industrial strife became almost general. Groups of socialist workers, labour organisers and intellectuals organised and intervened in this ferment. The Communist Party of India was founded as a solid organisation in 1925. In 1927, Saklatvala toured India for three months, pledging, as he put it in his appeal in the Daily Herald's for Solidarity Messages, page 36, quotes, a great effort from the Indian end to pull the two working-class brotherhoods, Indian and British, together, end quotes. He got an overwhelming reception, speaking to thousands wherever he went. The authorities of nine cities formally welcomed him, despite the undemocratic nature of local government in India and opposition from British officials. Saklakvala used his megaphone to encourage working-class and peasant organisations and to urge young nationalists to help workers assert themselves, including by taking jobs in industry. Behind the scenes, he helped build and organise the CPI in the area he visited. Respected well beyond the limits of the communist movements, Saklatvala was close politically and personally to many more mainstream nationalists, including future Prime Minister Yawaharlal Nehru. As you might expect, however, he did not shy away from hashing out his political disagreements. While in India in 1927, he engaged in polemics with Mohandas Gandhi in written exchanges and on one occasion in person. He criticised Gandhi's limited and in many ways backward-looking perspective, counterposing the organisation of workers and peasants to struggle for their rights against capitalism. Quotes, the acuteness with which the class war operates upon the wage earners of India is more than in most of the advanced European countries. Class war in India is murderous. To throw just in the eye of the world that class war is now operating India in India is inhuman and monstrous. Class war is there and will continue to be there until communism abolishes it. 
but in the meantime not to struggle against its evil effects day to day is a doctrine which cannot appeal to any genuine humanitarianism. End he demanded an end to the moral plague of cult-like devotion which surrounded the nationalist's leader, including his use of the honorific Mahatma, great soul, venerable or holy man, Gandhi's replies, praised Saklavala, but unsurprisingly firmly disagreed. How the British government viewed all this can be judged by the fact that in Saklatvala's return to the UK, it announced his passport would no longer be valid to, for travel to India. This ban remained in place for the rest of his life, including under the 1929-31 Labour government. Six months after Saklatvala arrived back, the government appointed its commission on India. Chaired by right-wing Liberal MP John Simon, it was made up entirely of white British politicians, including two Labour MPs, one of them Clement Attlee. Despite claiming to support Indian self-determination, the Labour leadership backed the commission. Indian nationalists were outraged and called for the party to withdraw its support and representations. Page 37. When the commissioners arrived in India in 1928, they met a very different reception in Sakletvala, with mass protests and strikes. Simon go back. After police attacked demonstrators to clear the way for the commission in Lahore, nationalist leader and former All-Indian TUC president Lala Lajpat Raj Rai died of his injuries. Sakletvala helped organise the fight against the commission in the name of full independence in Britain. Anti-imperialist organising <coughs> The Communist International's work in the colonies was organised primarily by a network led by Manabendra Nathroy. He and Saklatvala had important differences, including on how communists should relate to India's bourgeois nationalists, and Saklatvala was increasingly distrustful and hostile to Roy. As a result, he was often excluded or self-excluded from the International's colonial work. He did nonetheless play a significant part to his due to his position in the CPGB and as an MP. The British party was responsible for work in India until the CPI was firmly established in 1925. Saklatvala pushed to ensure it took this work and anti-imperialism more generally seriously. He himself undertook various roles, from establishing communist international connections while travelling as an MP, to liaising with and helping set up unions in India, to interviewing Indian students in Britain who could help build the CPI when they returned home. Even after the CPI's establishment, his status made him an important international liaison and propagandist, as his 1927 tour demonstrated. He played a high-profile role in the League Against Imperialism, an international network of organisations and activists founded on the CI's initiative in 1927, drawing in prominent anti-colonial and labour movement leaders in many countries and colonies. The LAI was named as, as an attack on the League of Nations, which had perpetuated colonialism by handling, handing territories over to European control as mandates. Although Saklatvala supported anti-colonial struggles in other parts of the world, for instance in Nigeria, it was through that he supported them. <laughs> the LAI was an early venture by Willie 
von Zenberg, a Stalinist who, after leading the internationalist campaign for Sacco and Vanzetti, managed to put together a number of popular front-type show events, even in the depths of the CIA's ultra-left third period. Trotsky, Trotsky described the venture as a masquerade, and one of the leading groups featured in the first LAI Congress was Ching Kai-shek's Kuomintang, which only two months later would massacre the communist-led workers in Shanghai. Page 38. By the time the organization folded in 1937, the Stalinists were minimizing the opposition to the imperialism of the Western democracies in search of military alliances against Nazi Germany. In 1927, the Communist parties were as yet far from completely Stalinized, and yet for Sakhladvala and many others in the British labor movement, the ally meant militant opposition to colonialism. Communism on trial In 1928-29, over 31 million workers' days were lost to strikes in India, and the Depression further energized workers' and peasants' struggles. The growth of working-class militancy and communist activism alarmed the British authorities who intensified their repression. In 1929, this came to a head with the Meerut conspiracy case, named after the small town near Delhi, where the trial took place. 32 left-wing labour organisers, 29 Indian of diverse religions and ethnic origins, and three British were charged with attempting to deprive the King Emperor of his sovereignty of British India and incitement of antagonism between capitalism, capital and labour. Naturally, many of those of the accused were communists. The charges referred extensively to communists and their international. British Viceroy wrote of his hopes of dealing a severe blow to the Indian communist movement. As word of the arrests spread, there were big protests, including strikes in Bombay's textile industry. It was the beginning of a mass struggle. The international campaign was led by organizations in which Sakhladvala was central, including the League Against Imperialism and the Workers' Welfare League of India. Before and after losing his parliamentary seat in 1929, he spoke and campaigned prolifically for the liberation of the prisoners, who he pointed out were guilty of, quotes, no more heinous a crime than openly and legally organising workers and peasants in India, end quotes, from London May Day 1929. After four years in India's brutal prison system, in 1930 holding something like 23,000 political prisoners, Sixteen were sentenced to transportation to a penal colony for between five years and life, and eleven to rigorous imprisonment for three to five year, four years. The Meerut trials took place mainly under a Labour government. The arrests occurred just before the 1929 general election in which Ramsay MacDonald returned to office. It was his Secretary of State for the colonies, Fabian leader Sidney Webb, who allowed the process to go forward. The Labour leadership continued and deepened the awful records of its 1924 government. Page 39. Left-wingers such as George Lansbury, while critical of what was happening in India, remained in the Macdonald government while this scandal was taking place, as results were relatively muted. 
Nonetheless, there was serious unrest in the British Labour movement about the trials, including in the Labour Party. Later in 1933, in the midst of great great agitation and protest with the realisation that the affair was actually strengthening communism in India, eight of the convicts were released and the remaining sentences greatly reduced, but no thanks to the Labour leadership. The analysis Sackler Bala made in the House of Commons in 1928 had been shamefully confirmed. Quotes, the workers in Great Britain should realise that God has not created man to be ruled dictatorial or autocratically by another man. Through self-determination and mutual consent, we should elect somebody to rule who is not a socialist boss, but a helper and adviser. If that is our essential belief, how can the people of this country believe that God has created the British Labour Party to rule the Indians and the Chinese? We are ruling you. We are sending commissions to you, to your countries, because you are less experienced and we are more experienced, and you want to be kind, and we want to be kind to you and to tell you how you should live your lives. That is exactly what the capitalist masters and bosses are saying to the workers in the country. They say to them, We are more experienced in directing industry than you are, and we keep an army, a navy, and an air force to protect you. Socialism believes that the sort of incapacity, that sort of incapacity is not inherent in human nature. How can the Labour Party say that they are preaching socialism and collecting the majority of voices in favour of socialism when they are pursuing such a policy as I have described? Page 42. A Revolutionary Trailblazer. Saklatvala and the Fate of British Communism. The British trade union leaders surrender of the 1926 general strike after nine days, as the strike was spreading and growing stronger, came as a shock to the mass of organised workers. Communists had played a central role on the ground and taken the brunt of repression, with about a quarter of the Communist Party's membership arrested. Yet they too were ill-prepared for what took place. For two years the CPE had campaigned around the slogan All Power to the TUC General Council meaning give the General Council power to mobilise the whole trade union movement, not give the General Council state power. The leadership of the USSR had formed a diplomatic front with British Union leaders through the Soviet trade unions, the Anglo-Russian Committee, and presented it as a lever to radicalise the British labour movement. Now the bureaucratic left-wing leaders of the communists had promoted and muted criticism of where, where criticism were leading the betrayal. The surrender of the general strike produced a wave of sackings, raids and arrests. The CP fighting to rally workers for self-defence and in solidarity with the embattled miners while their strike continued quickly doubled its membership from 6,000 to 12,000. Zaklatvala had been arrested just as the strike began, after his speech appealing to soldiers for support, page 43. Held in warm wood scrubs for two months, he was in Parliament for two hours after his release, attacking the Tories and the ruling class. Speaking to thousands in Battersea and across the country in the months that followed, despite continued hounding by the police, Zaklatvala was hailed as a hero by angry workers. As reaction set in, however, 
the British labour movement retreated and moved to the right. Union leaders campaigned for industrial peace, rolling over to employers and the government while warring against the communists and other left-wing activists who worked with them. The Labour Party moved to seriously implement the ban on CP members it had initiated in the 1924-25. A dozen left-wing local Labour parties which refused to comply, including Battersea North, had already been expelled on the eve of the strike. Now more were purged and new local parties set up. Saklet Vala said, quotes, The people who have set up rival Labour parties in Battersea are the ones who are always complaining that the communists are splitting the movement. Here we have an example of the lengths they are prepared to go to in their efforts to show the bosses the Labour Party means them no harm. End quotes. Within a couple of years, the CP was reorienting itself, not by a considered measured shift to the left, but by a wild swing, reflecting the ultra-left turn enforced by the emerging Stalinist bureaucracy in Russia, the third period. This swing doubtless appealed to some in the context of British Labour leaders' betrayals and was accepted by most members of an increasingly Stalinized party. It alienated the CP's periphery, allies and potential allies, leaving it isolated and powerless. The party liquidated the national left-wing movements made up of disaffiliated local Labour parties and left Labour groups in other constituencies. Its Sunday worker had by far the wider circulation of the CP-associated press. It effectively liquidated the national minority of movements in the unions. It abandoned any united front approach towards Labour, refusing critical support even in elections where the CP was not standing. When the Great Depression started in late 1929, unfolding under a Labour government elected with the votes of 8 million workers, CP membership was much lower than it had been before the general strike. Bureaucratic ultra-leftism reinforced demoralisation after the abandonment of the strike and the defeats of the miners. In Battersea, to break the CP's influence, the labour machine went in hard after 1926. Following a period of warfare between the disaffiliated, communist-led but wider left-wing local labour organisation, Bay 24, and the new official labour CP, the CP was marginalised, in large part because its small and more sectarian stance pushed away its allies. Previously an enthusiastic supporter of working in and with the Labour Party, Saklet Vala was frustrated and disgusted by its record in Parliament and in office, particularly the 1924 Labour government's record in the colonies. He became an early advocate of the kind of new line which became fully ascendant in the CP in 1929. In 1925, he declared extravagantly that Labour was no longer any different from the old Liberal Party. Last years. With the Communists pushed to the side in Battersea, Seklet Vala lost his seat to Labour in the 1929 election, coming third with 18.6%. The campaign that ousted him was run by his former friend and close ally, John Archer. Seklet Vala remained a committed revolutionary socialist, as he understood it, and loyal to the CP for the rest of his life. He stood as a communist in elections across the country, but never again won office. 
he remained a hyperactive speaker and campaigner, helping build up the party and leading British activism for the imprisoned Beirut trade unionists in India and the Scottsboro Boys, black teenagers falsely accused of rape in the US. All efforts to overturn the ban on him travelling to India were in vain and he was never able to return there. After a strenuous final few years in which he consistently ignored pleas to scale back his activity, he died in London in 1936, aged 61, eliciting warm tributes from across the international labour movement and the Indian liberation struggle. There is no denying that Sakplekvala became a Stalinist. In her biography, his daughter Seri cites him saying he regarded criticism of the Bolsheviks as, quotes, like a sin against the Holy Ghost, quotes, and that does not appear to have changed later on, when Bolshevism was supplanted by Stalinism. His final visit to the USSR was in 1934, as the Great Terror was starting. He came back flowing with enthusiasm, mainly about Soviet Central Asia, which he contrasted favourably to British India. Sakletvala was always going to be a somewhat unusual Stalinist. Challenged in Parliament about socialism in one country during a speech about internationalism in 1928, he sought not so much to defend Stalin's nationalistic policy as to redefine it out of existence. But in general, he accepted and carried out the disastrous twists and turns of the Stalinist line, including after it turned away, page 45, from the third period policies to the Popular Front from 1934 to 35. He died before high Stalinism took shape with the Moscow trials. Siri told later biographer Mark Wadsworth she thought her father would have opposed fully consolidated Stalinism in 1956, the Hungarian Revolution, and 1968, the Prague Spring. In any case, his later going along with Stalinism does not erase what is distinctive in his earlier record and contribution. Based on that record, Sakhletvala belongs to us, to the international class struggle revolutionary left. We can learn from him. Lessons and Inspiration Whom Sakhletvala represented as an MP on various levels is worth considering. The first BAME Labour MP and the last until six decades later in the 1980s. He blazed a trail for later generations of black and Asian radicals in Britain. He was, as he vocally pointed out, the only member of a colonised subject people to sit in the imperial parliament at the height of the British Empire. In a broad sense, he represented the working people of the whole empire and beyond, and in a more specific sense, the people of India. Despite his background, he saw himself as championing the growing trend in Britain towards political representation specifically for the working class, as did the Battersea Labour movement, large numbers of his working class constituents and many other workers. What surely gave particular dynamism to these various forms of political representation was the combination of Sakhletvala's identity and experience with ideas and struggles representing the best of the period's global labour and anti-colonial movements. He was able to use his talents and position to empower very different groups of working people because he was rooted in a strong, consistently built-up working-class movement in Battersea across the UK and internationally and its class struggle internationalist wing.
He was a remarkable figure in a galaxy of remarkable labour movement leaders and organisers in many countries. In the British context, he should be considered alongside his comrades Benny Lansbury and Charlotte Despard, also class struggle socialists who organised at the intersections of multiple oppressions and identities. Sakletvala's contributions were not limited to his time as an MP, but his contributions there were outstanding and unique, different from even the best left-wing MPs today. He focused heavily on supporting and organising working-class struggles, page 46, devoting his parliamentary position and influence to that overriding priority. Undoubtedly, in possession of a large ego and extremely forceful personality, he also conceived of himself and simply acted as an advocate and organiser for collective and democratic workers' movements. He made vocal propaganda inside Parliament and outside for workers to organise and act as a class against the capitalists and their system. He used his platform to propagandise for a new socialist society explaining the difference between reforms to capitalism, how extensive, and its overthrow by the working class. Sekletvala remained committed to class struggle, revolutionary socialism, and organisations he felt he believed embodied it, in the face of heavy pressure to compromise his politics so he could get ahead. When he made clear there was no chance of abandoning the CP for a career in the Labour Party, he received ostracism, police surveillance, arrests, imprisonment and permanent exile from the country of his birth. His militant approach to politics stands in bright contrast to the prevalent culture in today's labour movements and left avoiding difficult issues and not saying things you know are true and important for fear of controversy and criticism. He relished debate, did not fear unpopularity or difficulty and was eager for disapproval from the rich and powerful. Despite his intransigent politics and the often lonely battle he was forced to fight as an MP, he worked well with a range of people in the Labour movement, to some extent even in the third period, and remained an affable and good-humoured person who made friends in all sorts of places. Clement Attlee, no stranger to harsh political conflicts with Sakhlevala, commented that, quote, he was almost, always a very pleasant man with whom to have dealings, quotes. Above all, Sir Vala was an internationalist, a human link between the British labour movement, the international communist movement and the Indian national struggle. He stood up against the nationalist and imperialist shift of Britain's labour leadership and pushed to solidify and energise British communist commitments to anti-imperialism. Focusing heavily on India, he nonetheless proved consistently that he was no narrow nationalist. His work as an MP and after for Irish freedom, African liberation movements and black liberation in the US made him well-known and admired far beyond his two home countries. He, stood, he understood internationalism as an urgent matter of solidarity between the workers of every country and in particular work to unite Britain and India's two working-class brotherhoods. Page 47. He was embraced by an overwhelmingly white working class, not only in Battersea, with its large Irish population, but in Welsh commu mining communities and elsewhere, largely because of his anti-imperialism, not despite or regardless of it. He was a powerful opponent of religious and ethnic sectarianism and advocate of cross-communal unity in India's national liberation and working class struggles. 
a legacy that is sadly more relevant and an approach more needed than ever in the world of today. For socialists want to use intervention in mainstream political life, including elections and parliament, to help build up working-class organisation and struggles, transform our stagnant nationalistic labour movement and create a revolutionary force rooted in the working class. All this is full of inspiration and potential lessons, particularly so in an ever more globally interconnected capitalist system and a UK whose working class is ever more diverse and global, in which BAME and migrant workers are at the forefront of working class struggle. In recent years at least, British Stalinism has made little effort to celebrate circular Tavala. In 2015, with the rise of Corbynism, there was a flurry of interest on the Labour left, quickly subsiding. Attempts to link him to Tony Benn and Jeremy Corbyn, whatever the merits of these figures, dramatically understate his radicalism and importance. Seklatvala is part of an alternative tradition far more dangerous to those working to keep labour movements subordinated to nationalist national states and the interests of capitalism. Page 49. Wordsworth on Seklatvala, a review of Mark Wordsworth's biography of Shapuji Seklatvala, Comrade Sack, a political biography in People Tree Press 2020. There are four biographies of Sapjuri Sekletvala. Mark Wadsworth is the most recent, originally published in 1998 and republished in an updated version in September 2020. It's very good, mostly. Wadsworth is a left-wing activist, journalist and writer of long standing. He was central in the push to establish Labour Party black sections in the 1980s. Not having come across his work before, I wasn't sure what to expect. He is recently best known for being expelled from the Labour Party in 2016 in connection with anti-Semitism. Although the specific charges were insubstantial and a process of and the process of travesty, Workers' Liberty has called for his reinstatement. Wadsworth is part of the wing of the left which dismisses left anti-Semitism as essentially an invented issue. He recently spoke on a platform about free speech with anti-Semitism apologists Chris Williamson, Gang Livingston, Jackie Walker and Tony Greenstein and pro-Assad and pro-Xi conspiracy theorist Max Blumenthal. At various points in the new edition of Comrade Sack, Wordsworth connects Sacklet-Vahler's story and stances to Labour and left politics today. Page 50. In the 2020 preface, generally useful and containing many suggestions for wider reading, he presents a fairly typical left-wing dismissal of the idea anti-Semitism is a problem on the left, although it does have the merit of arguing openly and honestly, but wrongly, for a single binational secular state as a viable way out of the oppression of the Palestinians and the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. He compares this policy to left-wing opposition to the partition of India, but in addition to the distinctly different histories of pre-partition India and historic Palestine, would any left-winger argue that India and Pakistan should now be merged regardless of the wishes of their peoples, or that a merged state is a near-future answer to India-Pakistan conflicts? The other up-to-the-moment political arguments Wordsworth makes are much better. 
is a strong implied criticism of Labour's softness on Brexit and emphatic criticism on issues such as immigration policy, policing policy, mass incarceration. As a work of history and biography, Comrade Sack is comprehensive but accessible, rich in facts and analysis and extremely well-constructed and written. It depicts him vividly and ably places him in the context of powerful workers' movements, local, national, international, anti-colonial struggles and the history of black and Asian radicalism in Britain. As well as the earlier biographies and the variety of other literature, Wadsworth draws on a range of sources from Seklet Vala's time, first-hand accounts from political allies and opponents, friends and family members and interviews he conducted in the in the 90s with Battersea residents who voted for him, plus two who, motivated by racism, didn't. In addition to its preface and seven chapters over 136 pages, the book includes illuminating endnotes, appendices containing 64 pages of Saklet Vala's writings and speeches, tributes received from a striking range of figures on his death, and some fantastic photos and images. This is definitely the one to get if you want a relatively detailed introduction to Sack. Our political disagreements notwithstanding, Wordsworth is clearly a very talented and thoughtful researcher and writer. Two problems in his historical political analysis raise some important issues. One, in 1927, in, on his return from a political tour of India, Saklatvala responded to pressure from family members there by holding a large public ceremony in Westminster to initiate his children into the Parsi Zoroastrian religion. Attendees at these events at this event included high-profile Tory imperialists. The Communist Party of Great Britain published a statement criticizing Saklatvala, page 51 arguing that while it was entirely possible for workers to join the communist movement without abandoning their religious ideas, a responsible and high-profile party leader like Saklak Vala should know better than to engage in a public religious demonstration. Saklak Vala publicly accepted the criticism, but argued it was necessary for domestic reasons outside his control. There are nuances to all this, but it seems to me that CP was essentially right. Wordsworth suggested the party was Eurocentric and that Saklatvala should have defended Zoroastrianism, ignoring the ambiguity of his actual relationship to religion. Although Saklatvala made references to God in his speeches, such as the workers in Great Britain should realise that God has, no, has not created man to be ruled dictatorially and autocratically by another man, and employed the rhetorical device that a consistent application of religious principles was incompatible with imperialism and capitalism, it's far from clear that he was actually religious. CP leader Rajani Palmedut wrote that Seklatvala told him he had once believed religion was the solution to society's ills, but moved on when he came to see that it promoted quiescence in the face of injustice. When he was arrested in prison during the 1926 general strike, he told his jailers his religion was none. It should be said that some other criticisms Wordsworth made of the CP included on questions of racism seem reasonable. 
a big problem of is Wadsworth's argument that the CP's supposed error was the same as that of left-wingers who backed Salman Rushdie against the right-wing Muslim bigots, implying the call to suppress the satanic verses and kill Rushdie was a matter of ethnic or cultural differences, which should be respected. It is ironic that he spoke without criticism alongside Max Blumenthal, arch-apologist for China's oppression of the Uyghur Muslims and its Islamophobic war on terror. This analysis is itself Islamophobic, equating Muslim people or Islamic religious beliefs with the Islamic political religious right, and equating Saklatvala, a very strong advocate of secularism, universalism and freedom of speech and debate with such reactionaries. Wordsworth is black and an anti-racist, but there does seem to be an element here of lumping very different people into one category of brown people and their quirky religions. 2. During his 1927 tour of India, Sakletwala debated Indian nationalist leader Mohandas Gandhi at length in writing and on one occasion in person. Wordsworth argues that Gandhi was right on key points of the disagreement. Page 52. He acknowledges the justice of Sakletwala's criticism of the cult of personality surrounding the Mahatma, great soul or saintly one. He notes that Gandhi politics of class collaboration helps give birth to a deeply unequal independent India, serving the interests of the big capitalists and the landlords, which in turn fueled the rise of right-wing Hindu nationalism. But Gandhi's bourgeois political goals were intertwined with the political strategy Saklatvala was criticising, mobilisation around national cultural symbols such as spinning cotton and access to salt, involving vast numbers but controlled from the top down, carefully avoiding conflict with or serious pressure on Indian capitalists and insisting on non-violence in the face of British state violence and repression. Wordsworth justified what he calls Gandhi's subtle strategy by presenting Sakladvala's alternative as purely ins- inter- insurrectionary, focusing on quotes, a volcanic eruption of the working class which would destroy British rule. End quotes. It is true that Sakladvala wanted to destroy the colonial state. Indian state and replace it with a socialist state, whereas Gandhi wanted to take control of it of and reform it, as eventually happened. But Wordsworth ignores or even misrepresents what Sakhladvala advocated in his letter to Gandhi, not armed insurrection, but patient and energetic work of, quotes, organising labour and peasantry, leading the workers in factories and farms to obtain their rights, end quotes, both to mitigate the country's murderous social conditions and to build up a force that could eventually overthrow feudal type survivals, and capitalism along with, or soon after, British rule. Wordsworth suggests that Sakhletvala's belief in the need to mobilise industrial workers against capitalism was based on a simplistic belief that European Marxist theory was applicable to an overwhelmingly peasant country like India. He misunderstands or misrepresents what happened in the Russian Revolution, where the industrial working class allied with and led the peasant majority to overthrow both Tsarism and capitalism, instead equating it with the Stalinist revolutions in China, Cuba and Vietnam. 
like Russia in 1970, India in 1927, had a minority of a powerful, growing and increasingly militant industrial working class. The points of similarity between Russia and India were an important factor in Sackleit Bala's rallying to communism. Wordsworth's apparent dismissal of its potential at the time was not shared by the British authorities, who, alarmed by a rising tide of worker militancies, resorted to increasingly sharp repression specifically against India's working movement and the communists within it. Page 53. Despite the hindering influence of Gandhianism, social policy and its advocacy of non-violence, India's working people found themselves compelled to engage in both militant class struggle and the use of force to assert their rights, resist the British Empire and win even bourgeois independence. Far from dismissing India's peasants' majority, Sekletwal objected to Gandhi, quotes, ruining the mentality and psychology of these villages for another generation, end quotes, by encouraging a culture of, quotes, belief that there are superior persons on the earth and Mahatmas in this state, where, when in this country, the white man's prestige is already a dangerous obstacle in our way, end quotes. He wanted workers and socialists to help liberate the peasants by promoting political education and discussion and democratic organisation among 